My heart is full. And I only have 30 minutes. I feel sorry for you. Um, you can go ahead and pull up the PowerPoint, at least the first, first part of that. Um, I want to zoom out. That's how I start. I'm, I know a lot of my messages look, probably look all the same, but I have to, I have to zoom out because it's, it's so real. Um, if you don't come at it from a big enough perspective, you miss something, right? Um, God is sufficient. That's all I have to say today, honestly. Okay? Let's... And, and I want to start there, and let's start breaking it down. So, I think I've said this in the past, but it's so real. Everything, everything is a derivative of the voice of God. Let's start there, okay? So, I can always have my face to God, right? Because, I mean, look at all this that God created. That's derivative, Right? Everything. Let's, I mean, goes back to as big as you want to go. We go to the stars, the moon, everything else. In fact, we can't count the stars. They're learning new things every day. In fact, there's no way we can get our head around it. And I love that fact because it shows the fact that He is sufficient. If we could get our head around it, it let, me, let me break this up even further because I think we have to really grasp the just significance of this. It goes to the smallest thing of like even an atom down to a cell. I mean, I, I think of the, I mean, I did some research on, on different membranes and there was like just the concept of what a cell can do and the different membranes between the cell and how it allows certain proteins but not others and they are the same geometrical shape. And you go into all this, you talk to any scientific person that has a passion and they will tell you amazing things that God has created and they are, and we don't even consider them significant. I mean, look at dirt, for instance. You could go into that and spend your entire life studying dirt and understanding what the multiple purposes of it are for, and you can still find God there. Amen? I mean, it is everything because He is sufficient. Do you realize that we are not sufficient? You always need something. Stop breathing for a little bit. You'll find out real quick how fast it is. I mean, you always need it, right? Guess what? God does not come from that perspective. In fact, I'm going to go to the next slide. He, he doesn't come from, from that perspective at all. In, in fact, I think it's important for us to really grasp that. And what I mean by that is we, t we think in terms of division, scarcity, like there's a limit. Um, everything has a, you know, th there's an end everything, right? I mean, that's how I think. I mean, everything in my brain is all done like, how much time do I have? How much resources do I have? How much, whatever it is that we're talking about, there's some kind of scarcity involved, and I'm trying to manage that scarcity. Well, God doesn't come at it from that perspective. It's not kind of like there's a feast and then there's the scraps, right? He comes at it from the standpoint of, I have no scarcity. There there is no division in Christ. It's not there. Um, it's just not there. And we have to be in that place where we begin to start saying, okay, I am not sufficient. I am dependent. Now, the question is, what are you dependent on? 
Like that to me is the biggest question of anything. And I got to tell the whole story. God, with one breath, said, let there be life. And there was, I mean, it just goes, read Genesis 1. It's awesome. Like, totally awesome. In fact, you, can't, you like read one verse and you're just like, wow, that is an incredible amount that just happened. Right? I mean, and he made all the fish. Boom, done. Like, you could spend your whole life studying one fish, right? I mean, it's just done. And we start seeing, okay, God did all these things, right? There's so much significance here that's just being poured out. And then we say, okay. And what I love about it is, and then God so loved the world that he did what? He loved us. Okay, so we have a God that everything that we see is a derivative of him, and he loves you. Wow. He is not dependent. I repeat that. He is not dependent. Okay? But he loves you. Oh, if just stay there for a month and your life will be wrecked like mine. He loves you. And he is not dependent. Our praise, he does not need. Okay? There is nothing that I have that he is dependent on. Nothing. Now, let's go back to, to what I was just saying before. What am I dependent on? Okay, so we start out in this world breathing our first breath, screaming, Lah! right? Because we're right, reaching at everything we see and around us and say, I must have. Give me, give me, give me, right? Dependency. Dependency. In fact, I look at my little one-year-old, and he is just the ultimate dependent. So cute, but so dependent. And that's what we are, right? We start there. And we all of a sudden, hey, I'm breathing. I'm alive. This is something good, right? And we start going to the things that we are dependent on. I mean... It goes real fast, right? What do we call addictions? Dependencies. Right? What do we call all these things in our life? We are dependent, right? Because why? Because we put our dependency on something that is not the one who isn't dependent. Does that make sense? So what has God given us? It's pretty awesome. Um, it kind of blows. I don't understand it. There's no way I could possibly understand what God has given us. Let's start there. Okay, let's start and go down the next step, which is what do we do? What do we understand? He has, the what He has given us, and this is what I want to make very clear, is sufficiency to Him. So we could actually be dependent to Him. That's what he gave us. And that's freedom. Now you're saying, well, why is that freedom? I'm not dependent to God. Well, guess what? All the other things that you had no control over, you were dependent on as well. Okay? Every one of us is dependent on something right now. Go into every single part of your life. I don't care what it is. You are dependent. Okay? And trust me, 
Those things don't care for you, they don't love you, and they don't do a lot of things unless it's dependency on God. Because He so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son to die on that cross. He paid the full pack sacrifice for us. That's how, that's how much love He had. And, and if you think about love, I'm, I'll get to that here in just a little bit, but, but real love is authority. It is. It's authority placed in Christ. And what I mean by that is, at, with the amount of power that God has, the fact that He doesn't abuse us blows my mind. Does that make sense? That's the definition of love, is the fact that it is authority without abuse. Mind blown, okay? That's what God did for us. And we can sum all this up into one word that's called grace. Grace is dependency on God. It's what it is. It's our dependency on God. He gave us that. Before He died on the cross, we did not have the ability to be dependent upon Him. There was no umbilical cord we could connect ourselves to. Does that make sense? We were stuck being dependent on this world, on this flesh. That's where we were stuck. It wasn't until He died on the cross and showed us true love that our dependency was like, oh, I can unplug from this and stick it into something that is actually real and truthful and love. And it's based on that. Let me go to the next slide. <clears throat> so liberty. Oh, my goodness. This, this concept is hard on me and a lot of other people because it's so easy um, Let's go to the Galatians. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, we have been given the liberty to be dependent upon God. And I want you to see that as a liberation. If we miss that part of it, we've, we've missed the motivation of the kingdom of God. We miss the fuel. We miss a lot of things. If we don't see that it's our dependency upon Him. So what responsibility do we have in stewarding the things of God? Now, this is where it gets tricky, right? Because responsibility seems like I have to do an action. There's this doing part of it that you feel like you have to do based on that word. But what I've come to realize is that God is responsible for most things. In fact, He's going to get the credit. And a part of the definition of responsibility is basically He's the person that either gets the blame or the credit right? That's the definition of responsibility. But where, where it breaks down is the fact that He is responsible for developing the gift. We are responsible for receiving it. And there is responsibility there. Mark last week spoke on, you know, our thinking. Are we responsible for our thoughts? Are we responsible for our lives? Are we responsible for all kinds of things? And the answer is, we are responsible to live in that dependency, to receive it. Now, am I responsible to do it? Thank the Lord, no, because the gift that He has given me is a place of abiding. We can go to the next slide. That's good, man. Wow. Now, this is where it really, this is where it hits me hardest, is... The first place, like the little, like my little Jesse or whatever one you want to say, there's this level of self-centeredness that's amazing, right? 
we're, we're born with it. I mean, I, you can't deny it. I'm, anyway, I've had enough kids to know that you are born self-centered, okay? You want what's about you, okay? If we stay in that perspective, there is no way we can unplug from the umbilical cord of the world and put it into the umbilical cord of our, of our Father. It won't happen. So it even says in that, if you read Galatians, that area, it basically states that you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? That was like the, the part of it. That, and what I'm gathering from that is it's really a matter of perspective. You've got to change the perspective from you to outside of yourself. And it isn't a matter of I'm doing it because I'm, you know, righteous and all these other things. It's a matter of perspective change. Because once you begin to switch that perspective, you can say, wait, the kingdom of God is in my neighbor. In fact, the image of God is all over my neighbor. And all of a sudden, I can begin to see Christ in my neighbor in a way that I've never been able to see Him anywhere, much less in my neighbor, right? Because I can start seeing Christ. And Christ and if you look down inside yourself and you just look at your own belly button, guess what? You cannot see Christ. It won't happen. Okay? A really fundamental truth is if you look inside yourself, you are not important. Okay? This is hard. Hear me. Hear me when I say this. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, is everything. And He brings so much value that you are a gem that is worth dying for that the entirety of eternity sacrificed their life in order to get for you. Okay? So don't take this as the lie that I have no value. Take this as the lie that I am not important. And it's a big difference because I don't want to be important. I want Christ who is, has His mark upon my life to shine through and that's the value that everyone can see. So, I want to bring back a real poignant story right now because it's, anyway, Paul was actually part of this. We were out, so I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't forget what day it is. I, I've slept since then. But anyway, one of those days, I was at work and um, I had just been assigned two things that I didn't agree to, but I had to do them anyway. All right, the, my computer was crashing nonstop. I was working with a software program that the, whoever programmed it, I wanted to just, right? You know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And I had three or four people come up and tell me that something couldn't be done, which I knew had to be done. All right. At that point, I lost it. I'll be perfectly honest, right? I was frustrated. I wasn't even fun to be around, okay? It was pretty obvious. In fact, it was so obvious, I saw it, okay? That's a good, I want to start there. I saw it. Okay? And I was just like, what is, what is happening to me? Right? Because I'm being affected by this. What's, what's actually, what's, what's going on? So I sat down and I said, and I remember what, what I saw was the fact that I was complaining. Because I remember thinking, blah, 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 and I was started going off, and I'm sure, Paul, you heard it. I'm sure you did. Because I complained. Okay? I started complaining, and then God said, and he told me a truth that someone told me a long time ago is, you can always complain. And guess what? You can always be thankful too. 
right? And he says, where's your thankfulness? And I sat there and I said, Lord, I don't, I'm tired. I'm tired. And then he says, well, where's your strength? Well, I know it says that, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength, your joy. Where is your joy? I gave it to you. I gave you that joy. Where, where'd you put it? Right? Well, it's not around because I'm frustrated, right? And then I realized, wait a minute. The foundation of joy is holiness. It is. If you look at the Scripture of Nehemiah, on the wall, he, they, that whole verse that says the joy of the Lord is the strength, it started out with a foundation of a holiness that was set up before that. And God said, well, have you, have you lost my holiness? Well, obviously not, right? But the point is, I missed it, right? And once I began to focus on Christ's holiness, and I realized that the, what I had believed, which was the big lie, was that my will was somehow better than God's will. Does that make sense? And it's like once I went there, it's like, oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, it just, it just keeps, you know, it trickles, right? You see the trickle? And then it's like, ah, oh, may we live in His Spirit. May we live with the fruits of the Spirit coming out of our life. You can go to the next, next slide. <clears throat> so this is what blows my mind, is that the same amount of effort, the same amount, let me put it this way. Actually, go down two slides. No, one up, one up. Move the pictures of it. That one. Yeah. All right. So you see this. Both of them, something is getting whacked really hard with a tennis racket, right? Right? One is an egg and one is a tennis ball. Okay. If we are abiding in ourselves, the same situation in life, just think of life in general. I mean, I don't care what you throw at it. Throw at, at our life. We get mutilated, like just absolutely mutilated, right? Nothing construction, nothing happens that's constructive. I mean, all it is is a mess. In fact, it's a mess for everybody, right? If we can abide in Christ, the exact same situation in life can whack it, and we go where the Father intended us to go. Does that make sense? So, come back up on the slide. Um, sorry, yeah, right there. So, look at this. So, throw life at it, right? At any point when you can be abusive, guess what? You can also love. At any point that you feel like cursing, guess what? You can also have joy. At any point that you feel like depression, guess what? There is hope. Now, where does all this come from, right? It comes from a place of abiding. You don't do hope. You don't do joy. You don't do love. You don't do thankfulness. You don't do peace. You don't do purity. You don't do any of those things on that side. You don't do them. That is you abiding in Christ. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It has nothing to do with doing. Does that make sense? And I, it's, 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 I mean, fear and faith are so amazing to me because it's, it has the same definition. I mean, you go through that whole list and almost everything has the same definition. It's just what perspective we're looking at. Um, go to the next slide. <clears throat> no, I guess one after that. So many times I know of, at least in my past, God has been showing me so much. I've always been a believer of doing 
the fruits. Like if, you know, someone has the fruit of the Spirit in them, they're doing things that relate to that fruit. And it's really a matter of being. And your actions and your reactions is your testimonies from the place of being. So if you are, I should say, if you are abiding, when life comes at you, because it does, that's why God sends life at you. That's the whole purpose. When we ask the question, well, why did God let this happen? Was so that our fruit can shine forth. Okay? And yes, if we've missed the opportunity, guess what? There's more life until we meet Him. Okay? So this is not about condemnation. I'm talking about, this is about us saying, Lord, let me be in a place of abiding in you, that I can unplug from the world, and I can unplug from my dependency of whatever it is, and I can plug into my dependency in you, and then I can start living in a place of abiding. And then that, in that place, my fruit actually shines forth. And it's not me doing it. It's a reaction to life. It's literally me, it's life bouncing off of me creates that. Does that make sense? It has nothing to do with me striving. It's not a place of striving. In fact, it's a place of complete rest. And if you find yourself not resting, like in some case in mine, I begin to start saying, Lord, what is it that I am not dependent upon you? We've got to go there. What is it that I'm not dependent upon you? Because if I am not dependent on you, I am dependent on the world. Next slide. Everywhere in the Scripture I see about being Spirit-filled, it always says be. I don't say do Spirit-filled things. I don't see anything like that. It's a be. It's a, it's a, it's a place. Um, it's like a rock. In fact, it is the rock. It sits there, steadfast, and life hits it, and it stays. And if you find yourself right now not steadfast, and life's hitting you, and, it's, and you're not staying, it's because that rock is not where it needs to be. Exalt the Lord. Exalt Him. He must increase. I think the more we can focus on Him being bigger, the more we can find our place in receiving Him. I think I had on another slide, but some of the truth that's really hit me is the fact that thankfulness, I found, is the, one of the beautiful tools that God gives us to be able to open up a vision to His Spirit. And what I mean by that is, it seems like whenever I come to the place where I'm just like, I cannot handle this, God has come to me and says, where are you not thankful? And once I start being thankful, and it's hard, trust me, it starts out hard. It ends up being really easy. And I can begin to start saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In fact, on that day, I am so thankful because I learned how to do things that I've never been able to do before. I'm going to be a more, more valuable employee to Aurora because of that day. I can keep going on and on. There are things I'm thankful for a really bad, hard day, right? And I'm, I'm not talking about just tangible things. There's also things that aren't tangible. I'm thankful that God showed me what He showed me. And you just keep going on and on and on. And the more thankful you are, the broader it gets. The broader the, the perspective gets. And the more you start coming from a perspective of being 
dependent on God as opposed to dependency of the world. Know Him. Oh, Lord, may we know Him. He did not create all this, and it's incredible. Spend your life studying it. He did not create all this and then die on the cross for something that He is not going to connect with. Okay? It, it just... I can't even understand why he died on the cross, but he's definitely not going to die on the cross for something he can't connect with, okay? Let's go there. I, but he did, okay? If I don't understand, it does not mean he didn't do it. I want to make that really clear. Okay, he did. All right. How do we communicate? It's through prayer. It's through reading of his word. It's through looking at others. Do you realize that I have seen Christ in others so many times it's blown my, just blown my mind? And I have to be looking for it. It doesn't usually happen. In fact, if I'm not looking for it, I do not see it. I'll make that clear. If I am not looking for Christ in others, I don't see it. Okay? I'm blinded. It requires me to look for it. It requires me to get in the Word and read it and try to understand it. And not just read it for the sake of the nouns and verbs, but actually try to understand it and say, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? It requires for me to be in prayer. That's what communication is all about. And God communicates with us. If He hasn't communicated with you, then I pray that you put your heart and your life at the foot of the cross, because He will and He can. And it's not some hocus-pocus, it's legit. It's like communication. And you may ask, well, you know, has he talked to you audibly? I'd love to have that question, conversation with you. I really would, because I, I really would, because there's so much that God will give us if we begin to ask those questions. Well, how does he talk to you? How does he talk to you? How does he express himself to you, to you, to you, right? And the more I ask those questions to the people around me, guess what? I'll begin to start seeing Christ in everything, in everyone. Not everything, everyone. Does that make sense? Crucify the flesh. It states in Galatians many times throughout that whole passage that I went through there, of where basically deny the flesh, crucify it. And they use that really rough term, crucify. I mean, good grief. It's like burn it with fire, you know, kind of thing. It's just like it's that bad, right? And it is. It is that bad. So when we see ourselves dependent on something else, burn it with fire. Right? Crucify it. That means we may have to change our life. That may mean that we have to get an internet filter. That may mean we don't have TV. That may mean, I don't know what it means to you. Okay? But burn it with fire. I, want to be, I don't want to live on the edge and say, well, I'm just halfway connected to both. No. Unplug, plug in, right? Like, I don't know how to say it. It says clearly in the Scripture, crucify the flesh. I don't know what else to say. All are called. I don't mean all. Isn't that awesome? Christ died for all. There's not some select amazing people. There's all of us. There's the Imago Dei in every single one of us. There's Christ's 
footprint in every single person. There are no heroes. There are no demigods. No. There are only the ones that Christ died for the, on the cross. Do you hear me? It is every single person. And I don't... Let's go back to the definition of grace, right? It is unimaginable what can be put at the foot of the cross. We can't imagine it. You bring whatever. You bring whatever. It takes repentance, but bring it. Bring it. Because at the foot of the cross, it's all laid flat. There are no demigods. There are no heroes. There are no whatever you want to put in your mind as far as another God. It is at the foot of the cross. And at that foot of the cross is where we come. Because we have to take all that we are. We have to unplug. We have to unplug from this world and say, Lord, I want to plug into your spirit. I want to unplug in here.